Welcome. This is Corinne Modokaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet. So last week, I talked with you all about overwhelm and what to do with overwhelm. And this week, I'm here to talk with you about burnout. So some years ago, I did a podcast about burnout and that there's no such thing as burnout. And my friend, I was wrong. And I'm going to share with you my learnings from that. So let me set the stage a bit. I was at a speaker's dinner a long time ago. And at the event, it was when you're done speaking. And after the event, I came across a leader in the swimming world who I had known, who was a thought leader, who did a lot of leadership positions in swimming and I went up to him with the question because this was something that was a concern that was always coming up to me from the parents, like in the swimming community or on the aqua monsters and parents were always afraid of their kids getting burned out. And it was something that I was really perplexed about because my perspective was in the seventies and eighties and even early nineties there was a lot of, I would call it Darwinism training, where it was just massive, pound a lot, swim a lot of yardage and see who could kind of like withstand that and survive. And swimming had become much more sophisticated. Then there was a lot more teaching involved, stroke work. There wasn't the practices that the teams that I had coached, especially the youth growing up, it was very short practices. So, you know, 45 minutes for an eight-year-old versus back when I swam, I think it was two hours. The encouragement of being a multi-sport athlete, whereas when I swam, it was considered a 50-week sport, even as an age grouper. So the perspective I had was, how can you burn out? Because we're not physically dragging you through the coals to see. And what I'd come to the conclusion was it wasn't so much the physical burnout of physical exhaustion or bodies breaking down. It was more of kids losing hope and losing belief in themselves. And that was the mindset I was coming from. And I was checking in with him to see what he had thought. And his immediate reaction was, there's no such thing as burnout. And I remember, and I know exactly where I was. And I remember standing there kind of taking a step back, like there's not anything as such as burnout. I'm like, huh? And I thought about it. He goes, yep, there's no such thing as burnout. I don't remember anything further from that conversation. And so I noodled with that for probably a good six months or a year. And I thought about it and I thought about it. I was like, okay, there's truth to that, right? Like the burnout that I'm thinking about doesn't really exist in that sense that the parents are thinking about. I think we're putting a concept that's out of context with how it came about, like the stories we would hear about swimmers that came out of the eighties and nineties or seventies and eighties coaching situations. You know, for a long time, I talked about the loss of hope and the mindset of that. And that's where I came about with the podcast that I did, I don't know, five years or so ago. And since then, (laughs) We've all been through many shit shows, right? There's been COVID, people are mentally exhausted, 
And I'm also thinking about burnout in a different context. So still with a lot of those age groupers, I don't think of them as burning out physically because our practices are short. We do a lot of teaching, mostly one lappers until, you know, and then when they get into like fourth through seventh grade, sixth grade, they're two lappers. So still not this, you know, hardcore, let me put 10 year olds on weights type of thing. And I still believe in that there's a lot of mindset or stealth expectations, right? Where we, we set these unrealistic expectations and don't have a system that supports the athletes. But the burnout I'm here to talk about today is what a lot of people are experiencing it. We're seeing more and more discussion about it. We're seeing people opt out of their jobs, right? There's been the great resignation over the past six months to a year. And that can be from the overworking, just like I talked about in the swimming culture of the overworking that was going on in the 70s and 80s. The interesting thing is the people that may be burning out now are people who, if we were, they were swimmers, they learned that culture of overwork, overdo, make your body suck it up, make your soul suck it up, don't take care of yourself, swim through the flu, right? All of those things. And you're taking that way of being into 2022, into the workplace. So context is really important in terms of what we talk about burnout. Is it from overworking? Is it from you beating yourself up and losing hope in your mindset? Is it from pure exhaustion because you're not taking care of yourself? So burnout is real. It is not that it doesn't exist. So that leader that had told me that I had listened and after going through, I decided to agree with him and now I've pivoted and that's okay. So burnout is real. It can be, you're exhausted. Maybe you've been overworking for a really long time. I know a lot of people are afraid because I was working with a client today who's afraid, you know, that just the the fear of losing her job, as well as compounding that with her age and having, you know, ageism in the workplace, right? So we'll overwork to try to protect ourselves from losing our jobs. We've been rewarded for the self-sacrificing. Oh, you're, you're not a selfish person. Look at what you do and what you give and you overdo and you overgive right? And you self-sacrifice, <laughs> except what's going in to replenish you, right? If you don't replenish yourself, of course you're going to burn out. And then you top that onto what a lot of workplaces have are toxic cultures, right? Where they're not psychologically safe, where there's gaslighting that's going on, there's racism, sexism, there's different, lots of powering over, there's gossiping or back channeling that's going on. There's not clear feedback. The rules aren't consistent, right? So one set of rules for this person, one set of rules for that person where you're getting really confused because there's not consistency. So there's a lot of toxic cultures and workplaces. And sometimes we get even more confused because you can be in a culture where it's like, but wait, this is a culture. This is a company that preaches X, but does Y. Maybe it's something that's wrong with me because we start to blame ourselves because there's this disconnect. Maybe there's something wrong with me. Maybe I'm seeing it wrong. But just because this is what a culture preaches doesn't mean it's what they do. One of the things that I've seen with people and with leaders this last year is there are those people, there's this one gentleman that I know in particular, where his position, right? What he can put on a CV, he puts on a smile, he's tall, he'll shake your hand. 
and he has a knife in your bag. You just don't see the knife. And so we can get very confused by that, especially if you're thinking, hey, I'm authentic and I really value authenticity. And of course, other people do as well. Other people may have different values than you. They may not value authenticity. They may value being who they need to be to get what they want. And it's really important to be able to read that. So that's the toxic cultures that contribute to our burning out, right? Not getting clear feedback. It takes courage, you all. It takes courage to give feedback. It is something that I coach my clients on quite often about how do we give feedback? We tend to want to get really mad or power over to give feedback because it's so uncomfortable. It's so vulnerable. It's like, oh, I don't want to do it until so much resentment happens that we finally just power down, right? We're really good at being boundary bullies instead of being clear and consistent about what the boundaries are. So not giving clear feedback is one of the things that attributes to the burnouts that we are seeing in the workplace not having clear movement forwards. And I get it. You know, when we first started out with COVID and I would talk about what's the vision you're holding, like we didn't have like step one, step two, step three. There's been a lot of pivoting, a lot of agility that's been needed. And what I'm talking about is, you know, if you're talking, because I have a lot of clients who want to get promotions and it's not clear, their supervisors aren't giving them clear feedback because there's so many personality, there's office politics, right? And as I have clients that are getting promoted in the process, isn't clear cut. It's not. So these kinds of things can lead to burnout because what happens is people wind up thinking they spend a lot of time worried. They spend a lot of time creating stories that they're not good enough. They spend a lot of time overworking because they're approval whoring, right? This is why burnout is real. Now, we can't control the toxic cultures. You can't control a boss who doesn't give you feedback. You can't control people back-channeling or giving gossip. We can't control what other people do. What we can do is how do we take care of ourselves so we have the agility to be able to move through what may be potential landmines so that we have the ability to be in a room and really hear what is being said. And to be able to have that self-awareness, we need to take care of ourselves. So the question to ask is, what do we do away from our work? And are you overworking, overgiving, oversacrificing again? Because if you're doing that at home and at work, there's not replenishment that comes. And how many of us cheat on our own sleep? Because we think, oh, this is a way that I can get all that needs to get done. I'm raising my hand really, really high right now. Because for a long time, especially early in my career and for a long time, that was my go-to strategy to get it all done. It was the strategy for how Corinne really does it all, right? Was, oh, just don't sleep. And it's been a new skill set that I've been working on, making sure I get more sleep and taking care of that part. So sleep is one way to work on not getting burned out. We must take care of ourselves. With one of my clients, I have a few clients where she was like, well, I guess I'll have to sacrifice because she has a time is scarce belief. 
She said, the only way I can get all this done is I have to not sleep so much. And I said, well, what happens with that? Like she doesn't function. She's not a good entrepreneur, which is really important because she's so creative and she's just this badass entrepreneur who's built this very successful company. As a wife, she gets cranky. As a mother, she's cranky, right? And then she wants to eat wine and chocolate at night, right? Because she's so exhausted and it becomes that downward spiral. So sleep is non-negotiable. We need to sleep. It does so much repair for our bodies. It cleanses our brains. And actually, and Martha Beck has said this on the show, I'll never forget that day where she said that, you know, when you have a problem and you say, I'll sleep on it, there's research that shows that our brain is sometimes solving problems while we're sleeping. So sometimes you wake up in the next morning and you're like, that problem that you were trying to solve, you have clarity of possible outcomes or answers. So what we do away from our work will really help us either not burn out or it will contribute further to our burnout. And then it's about looking at what do we do to replenish ourselves? So I spent time on sleep. It can be that, you know, I really love people. I love connecting with people. I love being with people. And I used to have so much guilt, like Corinne, really? You know, why can't you just not be around people? I love being around people. I, I do. I, I love having downtime as well, right? By myself. And for me, it's about knowing in this season of life, what the right amount is for me right? And I don't want to say what the right balance is because I think of balance as like being on that damn balance beam where I'm always wobbling and afraid I'm going to fall off. So it's not about balance, but like what the right amount is for me right now, right? What's enough for me in every season? It could be a little bit different. It's about like checking in in the morning. What's my hunger? What am I hungry for? Right? What's filling me up? Okay. So how do you replenish yourself? Those are really important. And noticing, do you allow for replenishment for others and not yourself, right? Do you allow for others to take time and have some downtime? And are you really worried about protecting their time? But do you take time for yourself? So if you're a leader in the company and you really want certain people to take time off, are you taking time off? right? At home, are you making sure that everybody else gets sleep, but you're not getting sleep? I did that as a mother, as a young mother, I made sure that my kids had great sleep hygiene, but I wasn't doing that for myself, right? There was a disconnect. So notice, do you allow things for others and not for yourself? And here's the thing that's really important as you go through this. It's not about beating yourself up, and judging yourself. It's about owning your story and saying, oh, here's the gap. And then work on some small steps on closing the gap. My sleep practice has been an ongoing practice. I know what to do and I can still struggle on certain things of what to do, right? So I know that and I don't beat myself up and then I work on how do I support myself, right? It's about me supporting me so that I can take care of me. And when you replenish yourself, what are the things that you allow for yourself, right? Like I give myself so much permission, learning how to value myself and take care of myself and saying, I get to do this. I'm an adult. I get to do this. Allowing myself to do things 
as well as having rules and boundaries about what's not allowed, right? So like if I'm doing something, the constraint is that it's not allowed to hurt my family. Now, here's an example. If I choose, and my kids are older, I've spent a lot of time this past year going to their swim meets, traveling, you know, all over California and the country to go into their swim meets. And my daughter laughs. She goes, mom, who are you? Cause I wasn't normally always that way, but I didn't go to one of my daughter's big meets this year. And, and I'd asked her and I checked in with her and she said she didn't need me to go. And if I wanted to go, she was fine. So she was pretty ambivalent. So I chose not to go. And a lot of people were really surprised. And well, I've known this for a long time is my going does not mean that I'm a good mother or not a good mother right? And it's so finding out like, what does support look like for her? And also realizing that me watching her race and not watching her race doesn't mean I'm a good mother or not a good mother, right? Because it's about who she becomes in that process. So when I make rules and I also, my constraint is, is that I'm not allowed to hurt my family. That's really important. So what do you need to do to replenish yourself? What does that look like? One of the things that I've been doing this past year is I like to take baths. They typically do this like on a Sunday and it's delightful. And this is coming from the person that when I remodeled my house over 20 years ago, I told my contractor to take the bathtub out of the master bathroom because why would anyone take a bath? (laughs) Now I need to work on getting a new bathroom so that I can build a nice big old tub instead of the tub that I'm using in one of the other bathrooms right? So what are the rules and constraints you have that get in the way of you replenishing yourself and then asking yourself, what do you need? And this may be an experiment. I often say to my clients of start writing down the things that would help you. So I talked about sleep. Sleep is a basic human need that we all need. It is a must We have a variety of how much sleep we need based on different people and maybe what you've allowed yourself to have. So that I'm not going to go into a should is listen to yourself, test it out. What can you do? What small increments? Maybe it's going to bed 15 minutes earlier. I wouldn't try anything bigger than that. Or maybe it's going to bed when you're tired. How often do you push through because you're like, no, I should stay up. So what do you need? What are those things? It can be eating nourishing foods. It can be moving. I talked about spending time with friends, reading, filling yourself up that way. Thinking about what really fills yourself up. It could be a television show and then noticing when that television show becomes too much. So burnout is real. And before we get to burnout, what can you do to replenish yourself so that you can sustain so that you don't blow up or self-sabotage or end things because you're so exhausted, right? Burnout is real, but we can take care of ourselves so that we don't end up there. And we start with ourselves by taking care of ourselves. And what does that look like? All right, my friend, I'm smiling big for you. Hey, 
If you enjoy listening to this podcast, you'll love my weekly emails. I know you're thinking, Corinne, really? Do I want another email in my overflowing inbox? Yes, you do. Yippee, skippy, you do. These are short, they're sweet. On Fridays, I send out the Friday podcast. It's a great reminder that there's a new show and it comes straight into your inbox of the latest episode. Awesome. You click on it, you go straight because we all need reminders. We have busy full lives. And then on Sundays, I have my Sunday love column. And these are emails I write from the heart. They're filled with love. We need more love. We all do, myself included. These are short emails where you get a quick takeaway so you can incorporate this into your life because people often want to know what to do and how to do it. And maybe sometimes it's a story that you get, or there's like one time I wrote about the 10 ways to practice gratitude. And that became such a great tool when one of the readers was struggling in the middle of the night, because it can be a scary place in our brains in the middle of the night. And she remembered the email that I sent about 10 ways to practice gratitude. And she was able to practice gratitude and fall back asleep. And that was an awesome lesson for her to incorporate into her life. Go to the show notes and there's a link in the show notes where you can sign up and get these emails in your box. On a lake, she is dreaming, she is drifting, never been so wide away. Captured in-